Buenos dias. Good morning. Uh, my name is Jonathan Kinberg. I'm one of the pastors here at Church of the Cross, and it's a privilege to share today the word of the Lord with you. Uh, my wife, Lenny, and I just got married about two and a half months ago. We were in... Yeah, you can celebrate that with us. And we were in Houston for two months as she finished her job there, and we've just come back here in Austin as we're starting also a bilingual missional community in the St. John's neighborhood just across the highway over here. I um, want to give a special welcome to some family as well that are joining us today. Thank you for, for being with us. Um, I invite you to pray with me um, as, we, as we begin. Perhaps you can open your hands, perhaps put your hand over your heart, some symbol of inviting God to speak to us, to you today. Holy Spirit, we welcome your voice through your word today. We, we long to hear from you. Thank you that you are a God who is near and close and personal and desires to speak to us. Lord, would we hear your voice today? Would we uh, hear and um, follow what you have to say to us? Uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I'll mention also that if you didn't know, each week we have the sermon translated into Spanish. We have a WhatsApp group where you can access that. We also have Spanish bulletins as you come in if you happen to bring a Spanish-speaking friend. Tenemos siempre el sermón traducido al español y un boletín en español siempre en la entrada al, al um, llegar a la iglesia. So, uh, how many of you uh, remember the 2000s show House? Any of you watch House back in the day? I think there was like 10 seasons, but um, I, I watched it. I get, got little DVDs from the library and on my laptop. But um, if you remember the show, this show or the premise of this show, was basically every single episode was just kind of the same thing over and over. So there's this uh, mysterious disease that afflicts some poor soul and causes them to land in the hospital and no one knows what to do, basically. They're trying to figure out, is this, you know, is this from some exotic, far-off land? Is it a bacteria? You know, they can't figure out what it is. So they call in Dr. House with his team of experts, and they begin to kind of try to figure out this puzzle. So, you know, they, they often break into the patient's home and try to figure out, you know, is this some, something going on in their home life, environmental? Um, but usually there's always this point in almost every episode where as they're still trying to figure out what's going on, this patient who's still in the hospital um, all of a sudden starts you know, seizing, they, they fall on the ground, they, they foam at the mouth, they have a heart attack, some kind of major catastrophe. And what happens, you start hearing this alarm, right? Beep, beep, beep. And everyone in the hospital, of course, that's on staff there rushes to try to uh, help um, the patient and, and to make sure that they um, stay alive. Uh, I was talking with uh, Justin, who's um, here at our church and who works at a hospital. He said, this is called a code blue. And uh, I'll be using a lot of medical analogies today. I'm, I'm not a doctor. I don't work in hospitals. So if I get something wrong, please uh, forgive me. But I did do a little research. He says, yeah, this is a, this is a code blue, which means anyone who's on staff um, immediately stops what they're doing and at some hospitals, he was saying there's like the, they'll say what, you know, room number this emergency is happening, and everyone will rush to the room to, to help. It's, a, it's usually a life or death emergency or situation. Um, it's kind of a call to arms, as it were, for the hospital staff, and all hands on deck. And it sparks a kind of sending. All staff, when they hear that code blue, that alarm, are really being called and sent 
to a specific place in person to go and help. So what we see today in John chapter 3 is, is a kind of code blue, if you want to call it that, situation here on earth. There's this life or death situation, and we see in response that really an earth, to this earthly code blue, we see a heavenly uh, sending. That God sends in response to this life or death, this uh, emergency situation here on earth. We're going to be studying John uh, 3, um, particularly verses 16 through 21, which is in your bulletin if you want to pull it out or if you have your Bible with you. Um, And we're continuing in this study of the Gospel of John that we've been doing throughout the summer. And what we're going to be talking about today could be summarized as, you are sent. You are sent. Recovering the sentness of the church. What does it mean that God is ascending God and that we are then sent people? What does this mean? So let's uh, back up a little bit and look at the context um, of these verses in chapter 3. If you remember, uh, Peter preached this last week on, on this section right before here. And he talked about that this is this encounter between Jesus and a very uh, religious man uh, named Nicodemus, a religious ruler, who meets with him at night. And they have this interesting dialogue and encounter. And what Peter shared with us last week is that Jesus is really challenging Nicodemus, in a sense saying, your religion isn't enough. You have to step out. You have to embrace, and we then, as well as the church, need to embrace this sense of risk, of going, of leaving the comfort of those things that we know that um, he and also us need to be born again. There's this invitation to complete and total transformation. Um, I remember it being said at some point that God doesn't have grandchildren. Um, He only has kids. He only has children. um, There's this invitation for each of us to enter in uh, to the life that God has for us through Jesus. And so for Nicodemus, there was this challenge to transformation. And Jesus reminds Nicodemus of this time when Israel was in the desert, this really transformative moment for them that was also a kind of code blue And in a very literal sense, there was a disease-type situation for the Israelites in the desert. They were being bit by a plague of poisonous snakes. You know, not something you want to think about too much if you don't like snakes, which most of us don't. Um, And what is the response that God calls the Israelites, or Moses particularly, to put a bronze snake on a pole and hold it up? And it's it's kind of this interesting view or image of, of looking and believing for healing and salvation, which arguably is maybe one of the sources of the symbol of the medical profession. If you've seen hospitals or or, or, um, ambulances, you see that pole and snakes around it. Um, There's also some Greek myths that tie into that as well. But there's a symbol of healing, of of faith, of of needing um, restoration, in this case, particularly from literally a disease that came from the snakes. But um, Jesus then says and compares himself to that Um, to that healing, to that salvation. That's right before the verses that we read today. And these verses perhaps could be dangerously familiar, these words of Jesus. We've heard often John chapter 3, particularly verse 16, but my prayer is that God would help us to hear them freshly and anew today. Um, We do pray, Holy Spirit, would you speak to us again through John 3? Would you blow on your people today? And let me read uh, starting at verse 14 just again to kind of refresh our memory. It says, starting in verse 14, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. 
And then we get to 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send, and there we get that verse, that word. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they do not believe in the name of God's one and only Son. So we see that sending is at the very heart of who God is. God is a God who sends. God loves so much that he sends. We see this word sent or sending almost 60 times in the Gospel of John. It's a central theme that comes over and over again. First about Jesus and then we'll see about us as the church God so loved the world that he sent, that he sends. It's interesting, God doesn't send someone else. He doesn't delegate the responsibility of sending. He's not some general or privileged or removed politician sending some underling to do the dirty work, to do the rescuing. See, in the beginning of of John, they said the word became flesh and dwelt among us. There is this descent of God himself through the person of Jesus, into the gritty, dirty, everyday um, parts of life. One translation of, of that verse in John says, God moved in to the neighborhood. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. God doesn't send someone else. He doesn't delegate. He sends his son. He sends himself. Like a firefighter, perhaps, stepping into a burning building, disregarding their own safety, Entering the reality of danger for the sake of rescue and renewal, God, through the person of Jesus, comes and to rescue. See, sending is at the very heart of the nature of God. And we see that Jesus is the primary sent one. This is the nature of Jesus. He is sent to rescue. This is part of what his name means. We see that also the sending nature of God throughout the Bible. In the garden in Genesis Um, God sends Adam and Eve to multiply and fill the earth, um, to take care of the garden. Um, After Adam and Eve sin and they're hiding, God looks and goes looking for Adam and Eve. And he says, where are you? There's this pursuit of God. One of the phrases that, one of the ways this is often described is missio dei, the mission of God. God sends and God goes. The mission is primarily that of God, but we are invited into something that he is already doing. I'll just say a little bit about this more later, but this can help us uh, not be afraid or anxious or take sending or mission on as this burden, because rather it's a privilege and it's a stepping into something that God is responsible for, that God is doing, and that God already has done. To love is to send. So God so loved that he sent himself. He sent Jesus. So we see sentness is at the heart of who God is. But sentness is also at the heart of who we are as the church. This is core and central to our identity. You, we have been sent. We are, as followers of Jesus, the sent ones. Um, My grandparents were in the same class uh, at a Christian university in Chicago with uh, Jim and Elizabeth Elliot, who you may have heard some of their story. And like Jim and Elizabeth Elliot, who were um, missionaries in Ecuador, my grandparents went uh, to an unreached people group in the middle of the jungle in Peru. One of those, we land on a plane on a river in the middle of nowhere, this group that had very little contact with the outside world. Um, And they helped translate the Bible. My grandmother was was a nurse and helped provide 
um, health care. And I'm very grateful for their legacy and that of my parents who followed suit, though it is also a very mixed and imperfect one. But I grew up in that context, hearing that there were really kind of four main options for engaging in mission. You can go, like, like they did, which usually meant overseas, or you could pray, give, and send really others like them somewhere else. Um, somehow what was communicated is they, my parents or grandparents, were on the front lines, and everyone else was somehow support staff. Somehow the code blue would be answered by some, but not by all. And I want today to categorically reject those options and this separation or hierarchy that is created. This somehow communicates that God only sends some and that you have the option of not being sent. This is not what the Bible teaches. It's not what we see as followers of Jesus, the sent one. In John 3, we see Jesus as the sent one. And throughout the book, if you look then towards the end, after the resurrection, after Jesus is about to go and ascend to the Father, John 20, verse 21, he says, As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And he blows on his disciples. The Father sends the Son. The Son sends us as the church in the power and with the presence of the Holy Spirit. God is ascending God. Jesus is the sent one. He sends then the Holy Spirit to live among us, and we as the church are then also sent. Sentness is at the heart of who we are as Christians. If you've been baptized, you've been given the Spirit, you have been sent. Um, there's a key, there was a key doctrine or recovery in the Protestant Reformation known as the priesthood of all believers. Um, you see this referenced in some way in the Old Testament reading today where um, God called, says to Moses and the people, you are a kingdom of priests. And this is taken up in 1 Peter as well. But there's an important uh, implication or we might say corollary of this doctrine of the priesthood of all believers. I call it maybe the missionaryhood of all believers. If you are a Christian, you are a missionary. There is no other option. Um, if you read, the, the, there's a quote on the cover of your bulletins from uh, René Padilla, who's a Latin American theologian, which I'd love to read with you all. It says, mission is not the responsibility and privilege of a small group of the faithful who feel, quote, called to the mission field, usually in a foreign country, but of all members, since all are members of the royal priesthood, and as such have been called by God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We are all his sent ones, wherever we may be. See this theme also of light that's repeated throughout John and also in our passage today. Mission is not to be delegated to someone else or to the professionals somehow. Uh, it's not to be said, okay, well, that's the job of nonprofits or justice organizations or missionary organizations. The church, by excellence, by definition, is a missionary organization. This is our job, this is our identity, and this is our task. The mission is God's, but he invites us into it. As we follow the sent one, we become sent ones. This is the Father's joy that he invites us into. This is part of what it means to step into the light. God so loved the world that he sent Jesus, and then he sends us, you. Are we, Church of the Cross, living as his sent ones? So we see the nature of God, the nature of who we are as the church. And I just want to speak real briefly about this word of uh, belief or believe, which is central to John as well and central to 
um, uh, this idea of sending. Sending and belief are closely tied together. I want to say belief is the motivating engine of our going. It's the impulse which sends us out, but it's also the end goal for which we go. It's our objective. Um, uh, in, I, used to, I was living in Chicago before moving to um, Austin, and I was there during the beginning of the pandemic. If you remember those early days when there's kind of wild and woolly, we didn't know exactly what was going on pre-vaccine. And um, I used to always go to this Panera uh, to do um, kind of computer work, office work. And I got to know for many years a couple that worked there, Antonieta and Enrique, um, who worked at the Panera, an elderly couple. And I remember um, at some point in there, in the early pandemic, when we were given a little bit of freedom to, to go out, um, I was there at the Panera and asking, Where, where's Enrique? I don't, I don't see him here. And someone on staff said he, he died. He passed away. He got COVID and, and died. Um, and I remember just at that time, there was a lot of people questioning, is, is this really a problem? Or uh, is it really that serious? And being confronted with death um, in a very personal way, somebody I knew, it was impossible to not believe that A, COVID was dangerous and it was a disease. Um, but then later when the vaccine came, uh, to say, hey, this is important and to, um, to take steps to help protect myself and others. But we all knew, and perhaps you even at some point, I know I did at different points, kind of doubted whether uh, either the problem was as serious as it was or whether the solution was as good as people promised. And probably there's a little bit of uh, untruth on both those extremes, right, or both those places. Um, but I just use that as an example here because belief matters. And belief is the reason for which the Gospel of John was written. We see the author, John, at the end of the book said, these are written, all these stories about Jesus, so that you would believe. Um, and this is why Jesus was sent, we see in John 3, um, in our verses for today, so that you would believe. And belief is about life or death. Peter used this phrase, this kind of binary. There's several binaries or um, op options that we see throughout the book of John and light or darkness, life or death. And belief is this uh, important choice and disposition and orientation that really is about life or death and is closely tied to sending as well. Um, if you don't believe in Jesus, you don't have life, but you also, when unbelief enters into your relationship with Jesus, it also affects your mission because the point of mission of being sent is so that others would believe as well. Um, this is part of what we confess in the creed each week when we say Jesus is Lord. We're saying, Jesus, you're completely over every area of my life and I believe in you. But it's also when we say I believe in the apostolic church. Part of it is saying I believe that the church, that I am sent. The word apostolic doesn't just refer to doctrine, but it refers to the sentness of the church. Do you believe also that you are part of Christ's ambassadorial team sent into the world? You see, belief and unbelief is really a matter of life and death. Um, we see that the response of encounter with Jesus, we'll see a little bit later with the Samaritan woman in this gospel, or with people that are healed, or later after the folks encounter the resurrected Christ, their response is always of belief and encounter is to be sent. Go and tell others. But unbelief is one of the quickest ways to short-circuit short sending and going. Um, so what does it look like for us to be sent? I know um, 
share a couple specific examples here that just, uh, to me, help me kind of create an imagination around this and then with some practical application. Um, if God is a God who sins. We are a people who have been sent. And it, part of this is believing so that, and then going so that others believe. How, what does it look like? I think of... Um, a business owner here in the Austin area who I've gotten to know is in the construction business who intentionally hires uh, people on the margins to work with him. Uh, he seeks to care for them and build relationships with them and invite them into his home even though he is the owner and in many ways their boss. Uh, and he shared the gospel with them and he's actually helped plant a church with many of these workers. I think of Guatemalan uh, immigrant au pairs who I've read about in the Boston area, cared for very wealthy families' children, loving them as their own, sharing Jesus with them, and some of those kids have grown up to be followers of Jesus. I think of immigrant nursing home staff caring for the forgotten and abandoned as if they were their own family. Think of families getting to know their neighbors, of being present, of um, giving birthday gifts, knowing when their neighbors' birthdays are. I think of uh, families providing spontaneous childcare for perhaps a single mom on their block who needs a little support. I think of a large uh, tech company executive here in Austin who moved into a tiny home in the community first neighborhood nearby here, a neighborhood of folks who used to live on the street just to live and be uh, in that neighborhood imitating the God who moved into the neighborhood. Uh, I like the phrase ordinary radicals. If, I use this good Shane Claiborne phrase, if you know Shane. But this is just living our everyday lives under the lordship of Jesus, loving God and loving neighbor. So how does this begin for us? I think it begins with surrender. Um, if you remember Isaiah chapter 6 and this vision of, or this encounter between Isaiah the prophet and God, it says, uh, chapter 6, 8 through 13, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. And we see this encounter with the holiness of God leads Isaiah to say, I'm a man of unclean lips. Woe of me. I'm not worthy to do this mission, to represent you to the world. And that should be always our response. I'm not worthy. I can't do this on my own. And there's this invitation really to surrender and to repentance uh, before God. And we say, God, I'm not worthy, but please do. Use me. Send me wherever, however, and for whatever you want. So this is our first step. But then it's to secondly recognize the context to which you've already been sent. Again, this bifurcation or this kind of um, exotic, ex- making mission something exotic and far off, the way to counter that is really to realize you have been sent to where you already are. Your neighborhood, your workplace, your family, Sentness doesn't mean first stepping out of the normal or leaving it, but it means entering the normal of where you already are, but with an increased sense of purpose, alertness, and of uh, being sent there. It is participating in God's mission, beginning right where you are in the normal and the everyday. There is nowhere that you are that you haven't been sent. Sentness is something to be integrated into every area of your life, not something to be added, um, which can often create this sense of anxiety of like, oh, you know, something else I need to add to my schedule. Or rather, it's something to be integrated into your life. If Jesus is truly Lord, he is Lord over everything or nothing. Not just Sunday morning, but your job, your family, your home, your finances, your time. Sentness is integrating mission into these areas, not adding on to them. 
It's stepping into your identity as a priest, as a missionary, in all the contexts of your life. And the way to do that is just is begin by praying. I invite you to begin praying regularly for the context to which you have been sent. Prayer is a recognition that mission is primarily God's, once again. It begins with that recognition. God, this is your work that you're inviting me into. It reminds us that sentness starts from a place of encounter with Jesus and a place of rest. This is why the week begins with Sabbath. It begins today. And then mission flows from here. We begin resting that the mission is God. But the way we do that is through pray, prayer. We invited to participate in it. And so I invite you as a family, pray regularly for your context. Pray for your neighborhood. Pray for your neighbors. Pray for the lost in your workplace. Pray for your family. Prayer is one of the main priestly and missionary tasks. Pray for your coworkers. Pray for an awareness of your gifts and of your purpose the ways God can use you in the context where you are. In prayer, we begin to hear that code blue from the Lord. We begin to tune our hearts to God's voice. We begin to have our hearts broken for what breaks God, God's heart. Today, we'll have an opportunity to send or commission uh, the missional community members as well as partners uh, who are serving in St. John's. But I want to remind you that this isn't, just like we said in the quote, this isn't some special a group of people. These are just ordinary believers like you and me that are sent, and all of us are sent each week. This is how our liturgy, which is, we've been using the Kenyan liturgy in the last couple of weeks. This is how the liturgy ends. Remember, we are all sent as we finish. We encounter God through the scriptures, through sermon, through music, and at the end of each service, there's a sending that we all say. We actually ask to be sent. Let me read this for us. And remind us that at the end of today's service, as you pray this, remember, you are saying, here am I, send me every week. Almighty God, eternal Father, we have sat at your feet, learned from your word, and eaten from your table. We give you thanks and praise for accepting us into your family. Send us out with your blessing to live and to witness for you in the power of your spirit through Jesus Christ, the firstborn from the dead. As we pray that today, Be conscious, you are sent. Every week we are sent and we are the sent ones following a God who loves so much that he sends first Jesus and then us. Let's pray. Jesus, I'm just so grateful for the privilege of participating, of partnering with you and what you are doing in the world. Um, That you have given gifts to your people, to the church, in all kinds of areas and ways of art and music and creativity and um, professional skills and uh, manual labor and uh, also spiritual gifts of uh, apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher, um, discernment of tongues, of different gifts that you give for the building up of your body and for the mission in the world. Lord, I pray for Church of the Cross. I pray for myself. We would live in a deeper way into our identity as sent ones. And if there's anyone here, Lord, today who hears this in a fearful or anxious way, Lord, would you speak comfort and rest? Would you speak uh, joy, God? Thank you for this privilege and thank you for your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.